right, if I can get everybody to come back to their seats again. Again, thank you so much. Oh, Buzz, can you go ahead and turn off the computer part? Or next slide. Yeah, there you go. Awesome. Uh, I am so excited to introduce our speaker here this morning. Um, he's become a real, a real dear friend in a short amount of time, and he had over 20 years of pastoring in just the Wausau area, and then years past that in other parts of the state and other parts of the country, uh, but most recently in the Wausau area, and it's been just neat just through coffee. It really just felt like a, a, a divine appointment where God just kind of put us across each other's paths, and you just kind of know that God is doing something unique here. And so as you find out last week, you look at the presentation uh, that Sue Ann gave, uh, there's an opportunity there that we get to partner with looking into the future, and that connection was kind of started again uh, with him, and just hearing those things and wanting to get that out in front of our church community uh, was, was pretty special. And so without further ado, and I'm hoping this will be one of many times in the future we'll get to hear from Kim, but if you would welcome Kim Swenson as our speaker today. Well, it's an honor to be here. I want to say that um, this is a special time. And so for Steve to allow me to share with you, I, I really consider that an honor. Let me just tell you kind of where I've been. I grew up in East Central Minnesota, around Cambridge. Anybody heard of that town in Minnesota? Yes. All right. I uh, grew up just north of there. met my wife in Mora, Minnesota, and spent my first nine years as an associate pastor there in a little town called Stanchfield. And so we moved from there and went up to Roseau, Minnesota, up near the Canadian border. That's where we raised our family. And then we came down to Wausau in 99, spent 22 years there. We bought a house in Minocqua, and the next week I got a call to do uh, interim in Medford. We spent two and a half years there. And so now we're back here, and... This next chapter is uh, working with Native Ministry in Wisconsin and specifically up in the Flathead area. So that is kind of my journey here. And again, I, I consider it a real privilege to be with you. Uh, I'd like to pray, and then we're going to uh, take a text, and we're going to jump into it this morning. So I invite you to, to pray with me. Father, we thank you for this time. Uh, every time that we gather around your word, gathered as your people and in the presence of your spirit, you, you use that time in our lives. And so I pray that each of us would open our hearts to whatever it is you're wanting us to hear today. And so just give us, uh, Father, give us your word for us today in, in light of the situation that we all bring to this place, and so we thank you for this time. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So here's our, our text this morning. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. First Thessalonians 5.18, that's part of really a, a trilogy of, if we were to back up a couple verses, it would say, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing, and in every give, everything give thanks, which makes a great three-point sermon. 
Uh, but I want to just focus on this one verse this morning. I learned when I was a little kid, I, I, I got a little uh, magnifying glass, and I learned that if you can, if you would take that out and you would focus that light, right? How many of you ever did that as a kid? Yeah, if you focus that light, you could actually start a fire with it. That, that focused light had an intensity about it. And so I've learned as I've gotten older and I have more time now, and I'm not speaking every week, that I have more time to focus on, on something individual. I don't have to move on every week from one topic to another. And so I'd like to focus with you on this one verse this morning and invite you to think with me about it. I want to ask you a question first. If you were to, if you look at your own life and you think about, if you were to ask the question, how thankful am I? Where would you put yourself on a scale of one to ten? Would you be in kind of the, the one to three scale? Like, man, I really struggle with being thankful. Or would you be in, in the middle, a four to six? Or would you be a and a, uh, a 7 to 10 saying, you know what, I am, I am really a very thankful person. How many would say they're very thankful? Okay, that's a pretty good group here. How many would put yourself in the middle? Okay, quite a bit. How many would say, I really struggle with being thankful? <clears throat> Anybody? How many don't like to raise their hand? <laughs> so... Wherever you are, I want to encourage you with this verse this morning and invite you to think with me about it. We're going to walk through this verse. We're going to just break it down into a few phrases, and then I'd like to give you some points of some things that are important if you're actually going to be able to live that out. So here's the first one. In everything. In everything. You know, not just the week of Thanksgiving, but the other weeks, not just when you're having turkey, but when you're having, you know, macaroni and cheese. Not just uh, after you've been up for two hours and had your coffee. How's that first two hours of the day? In, in everything, at, you know, at all times, that we would be thankful. Not just when there's plenty of money, but when you have to cancel that trip because... Unexpected things happen, not just when the Packers are having a winning season, right? In everything, in everything, give thanks. Now, you've probably heard this, but I think it's important to note that it does not say for everything. It says in everything. And I think that's important to understand. It would actually be, I believe, dishonoring to God. To give thanks for everything. I think there are many things in this world that we do not give thanks for and God does not give thanks for. If, if you're understanding God's will in the world, you really have to understand it on a couple of levels. There's his perfect will. That's how things were in the garden and that's how what things one day will be. But right now we have another category of God's will and that's his allowable will. And so he's allowing you and he's allowing me to make choices in my life which are either positive or negative. And people around us have that freedom. God has allowed people to make choices. And not all those choices, as we all know, are good. 
And so when bad choices are, are made, the Lord's not calling us to be, in, you know, He's not calling us to be, say that bad is good. He's calling us to give thanks in all of those situations. So we, we don't give thanks for the child that was abused. We don't give thanks even necessarily for the cancer diagnosis, but in every situation, we are called to be giving thanks. So we're going we're gonna to look at that in the harsh realities of life. And so you have Peter talking in, in chapter 1, and he says something very interesting. He says, so we rejoice. He said, rejoice always, though now we've had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. So he's acknowledging that you might be in grief, a situation of grief and loss, and yet at the same time, he says you rejoice. In other words, we give thanks even in those situations that are are difficult. So in everything, the second thing he says is give thanks. Give thanks. Now, that's different than just being thankful. So I got a text this week from a friend of mine. And the text said, I thank God for you and our friendship. Now, I know that he's thankful for our friendship, but that was an act of actually giving thanks. And so what we're called here to do is is not just be thankful, but to be giving thanks, to be expressing thanks, because that's powerful in our life. It's very powerful in the lives of other people. We see here that we are called to, to give thanks. Now, I don't know about you, but my brain is kind of like a living room. And it seems like every morning I wake up, there's people in my living room. Some of them I didn't invite there. They just showed up, right? So there's, there's uh, anxious Annie. And there's Pity Polly, and there's Fearful Fred, and there's Angry Annie, and there's Depressive Danny. And so all these voices, all these people come into my living room and start chatting and start talking. It's, it's amazing what happens when you invite thankfulness into the room. Because when you invite thankfulness into the room, everybody quits talking. I mean, I can wake up in the morning and I can feel kind of depressed or I can feel fearful or I can feel anxious. And when I make a decision to give thanks, those people begin one by one to leave the room. They don't like to be in the same room. And so there's something very powerful about giving thanks. This is God's will for you. In every situation, no exceptions. It's interesting that the Old Test in the Old Testament that the priests, when they made their robes, they were to be seamless. And the Bible tells us why the priest's robe was to be seamless. That is because in those days, when people were in a situation of despair, they would tear their clothes. They would, they would rent their clothes. But the Old Testament priests were not allowed to tear their clothes. And so there was no seam. You could not 
You know, those fabrics were, were made out of, of strong, uh, you know, things in those days. And so it was impossible to tear them unless there was a seam. The reason that priests were not allowed to, to tear their clothes was because there was never, because of their proximity to God, there was never a situation so despairing that they should tear their clothes. So as priests before God, no matter what the situation, we're called to be thankful in those situations. So in everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God. This is the will of God. I I remember as a young person in college, uh, buying a book by John Stott on finding God's will for your life. And I was excited about it because I wanted to know what I was going to do, where I was going to go, hopefully who I would meet and marry. And so I I had these these things in my mind that I, I wanted to know God's will for my life. One of the things that I I didn't really understand at the time was that there's another piece of God's will that's far more foundational and that had nothing to do with where I would live, with what I would do, or who I would marry, but it would be about who I would become, who I was becoming. You know, you look at this verse, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God. If you ask the question, what's God's will for my life? It's to be a thankful person. And, and don't minimize, you know, the importance of those character qualities that are part of God's will for our lives. And so I, I remember learning this very early on. I was coming home from seminary. It was, a, I think it was a Sunday or a Saturday night. And... You know that song, uh, Blessed Be Your Name, when the sun's shining down on me, the world's all that it can be, blessed be your name. I was on my 350 Honda motorcycle, coming home from seminary, the last day of class, and I was going to start my first time, full-time in a youth ministry, and I had worked for months on this plan. I had it all laid out. And I was going to build this youth ministry. And I was in Spring Lake Park, about two miles from Highway 65 when it happened. This gal turned right in front of me. And I just about missed her, but I caught her rear bumper and ended up six days in Unity Hospital with 135 stitches in my right knee and lots of time to ask the question, God, what? what's going on here? I'm... I'm giving my life to serve you. I had this plan of what I was going to accomplish, and here I am in in the hospital. And what I would begin to learn and have learned time and time and time again is that God is far more interested in who you are becoming than what you are doing. Far more interested in the person that you are becoming. And so, in everything... What God is, one of the things he's certainly doing is seeking to make you a thankful person. This is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Which brings us to the last part of this, is that you have to be, in order to do this, you have to be in 
Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. Now, that's a, a very important little phrase. Uh, Jesus explained it, and I think in one of the most important chapters in, in all the Gospels, and that's John 15, where he says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means to be a branch in the vine. If you'd ask me the essence of what Christianity is, to be the branch attached to the vine. If you're not attached to the vine, you're not a Christian. It, it doesn't matter how religious you are, how many times you go to church, what you do in the church, how much you give to the church, what kind of moral life you live. If you are not connected with Jesus in that relationship, you have missed the essence of the Christian life. And in order to give thanks in every situation, you must be connected with the vine. And by the way, I, I don't assume that everybody that, that sits in a church service is in Christ. I, re, I remember at, at Bethany, we had, a, this is in, in uh, Roseau, Minnesota, we had a, a guy come in that was teaching us how to share our faith. And during the intermission, he was visiting with people, and after the intermission was over, he invited a young guy up in his 20s who had been attending the church, the church that I was pastoring for two years. And he introduced him. He said, I just wanted to give you some great news. This young man just accepted Christ. I'm going, no way. I, I've been preaching to him for two years. Um, I've been standing up and, and inviting people to, to accept Christ into their life and now come to find out he had been there for two years and never done that, never heard that. And so if that's you this morning, I would, I would admonish you to think about whether you are in Christ, whether you have a, a relationship with him. Because it's out of that relationship, it's out of being in Christ and what he is supplying in your life that you will be able to give which kind of leads us into how I would like to apply and encourage you to some things that are important to consider as you apply this to your life. So if we're going to give thanks in everything, experience the will of God for our lives, here's the first thing that we need to understand. This does not happen in a vacuum. God is not saying to you, you need to be thankful in every situation, even though for the life of you, you can't figure out one thing to be thankful for. That's not what this is asking us to do. What God is saying is, I want you to be thankful in every situation, no matter how hard it is, because you are aware of the things that the world can never take away from you. In Ephesians chapter 1, Paul prays that he thanks God for the spiritual blessings that are, are ours in Christ. And then he begins a series of verses that just goes from one to the other, that we're chosen and we're adopted and we're redeemed and we're forgiven and God's revealed to us the mystery of what he's doing in the world. He's given us his spirit. He's given us hope, inheritance, and the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. He goes on and on and on. How do we give thanks in every situation? We, we live in the awareness 
We don't live in a vacuum. We live in the awareness of what we have and who we have when we are in Christ. Peter writes about the inheritance that you and I have. He says, set your hope fully on the grace that is to be revealed at the revelation of Jesus. You have an inheritance. It's kept in heaven. It's imperishable. It can't fade. It can't be taken from you. Nothing in all creation can separate that from you. That's why you can give thanks in every situation, because you're living in the awareness of what God has done. You know, Jesus made a promise to you. And this is the promise he made. In this world, you will have trouble. So, has he kept that promise to you? I think he's kept that promise to most of us. In this world, you will have trouble. You will. Then he says, but be a good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome this world. I have a whole host of things that I have blessed your life with that are not a part of this temporal world. Now, an unbeliever can be thankful. He can, be, he can thank God for his family. He can thank God for his home. He can thank God for the turkey. He can thank God for his job. He can thank God for all those things. But you know what? Tomorrow, all those things could be gone. And the day is coming when everything temporal will pass away and all we will have is that which is spiritual and that which is eternal. And so we, we see here it's important as believers, if we're going to give thanks in every situation, to be in touch with what God has blessed us with. Here's the second thing that's important. It doesn't always make sense. What's it? Life doesn't always make sense. Your circumstances don't always make sense sense. Philip Yancey wrote a book called Disappointment with God, and in that book he interviewed a number of people. One of them was a young man, or a middle-aged man by the name of Douglas. Uh, Douglas was a psychotherapist. He left a very lucrative job, went to the inner city to help the poor. Soon after they moved there, his wife came down with breast cancer and it had moved, it spread to her lungs. She's going for chemotherapy. He's driving her to the hospital, and a, a drunk driver goes across the line, and he's in, in a bad accident and spends several weeks in the hospital and ends up getting out uh, dizzy all the time, migraine headaches. Uh, he, he can no longer read, which he loved to do. And Philip Yancey said, I, I think this would be a great guy to interview in terms of being disappointed with God. And so he sits down with this guy, and, and here's his story. And at the end of the conversation, he says, well, tell me about your disappointment with God. And to his amazement, this man thought for a while. And then he said, I, I don't think I've ever been disappointed with God. He said, I don't confuse life with God. In fact, the things that have happened, he said, I think God grieves about it as much or more than I do. Now, I don't know if your perception of God is a, is a God that is grieving and, and saddened by the things that sadden you, but 
You know, you don't have to read very far in the Bible, and we read that God looks down on that which he's created, and his heart was so saddened and grieved by the violence that he saw between people on the earth. Yes, God has the power to do anything, but he, he also, we know, has allowed people to make choices in this world, and his heart is often grieved, as is your heart by those things that happen. And so we see here that, that life doesn't always make sense. And some of us, some of us here need to give up our need to understand everything that happens in our life. Some of it you are not going to figure out here. We see that You know, you talk about injustice and what happens in your life or maybe somebody that you love. Things that don't seem fair. I mean, look at the life of Jesus. You talk about injustice. And yet somehow, though no one understood it at the time, that that was the biggest tragedy that ever happened for those disciples. Trust me, when, when Christ died on that cross, there was no bigger tragedy. And yet... Look at how God transformed that tragedy into the the greatest event in all of human history. You don't know how God is using that tragedy in your life. You may never know how God is using that tragedy. But as we let go of our need to understand everything, we are able to move into a place where we can give thanks even in the difficult situation. And here's the final one. It also flows from a humble heart. Living out that verse, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, it flows from a humble heart. One of my favorite little books, if you want to read a good book on humility, read Andrew Murray's uh, book entitled Humility. And so here here is Andrew Murray's definition of humility. It's coming to God with your life and saying, God, however, however you want to use my life for your purposes, whatever that looks like, I I give my life to you for that purpose. If that means life with MS, then then I I surrender that to you. If that means life in a wheelchair, I, I do that. If that means whatever that might mean, the humble heart surrenders itself to whatever God's purposes are in their life. I mean, think about Jesus' life. Think about what he could have done. Think about the money, the fame, with the power that he had. Yeah, he never gets married, never owns a home, never has a bank account. The first 30 years of his life, we have, we have like two verses. Three years out of 33 Jesus is is called to the forefront to do what his father had called him to do. And it was a life of abandonment of so many things. And the Bible tells us, so why did Jesus do that? Why did he become obedient to the point of death on the cross? It was out of humility. It was out, out of surrender of his life to God's purposes. 
The level at which you give thanks is, is, a level, is determined by the level of humility that you have in your life. Let me share one final reading. I clipped this out many years ago. And it's a great truth. It was a Reader's Digest reading. It's called The Terribly, Tragically Sad Man. Once there was a boy who lived in a big house on a hill. He loved dogs and horses and sports and cars and music, and he climbed trees and went swimming and played football and admired pretty girls, except for having to pick up after himself. He had a nice wife. One day the boy said to God, I've been thinking. I know what I want when I become a man. What, God asked. I want to live in a big house with a porch across the front and two St. Bernards, a garden out back. I want to marry a woman who's tall and beautiful and kind and has long black hair and blue eyes and who plays the guitar and sings in a clear high voice. I want three strong sons to play football with, and when they grow up, one will be a scientist, one will be a senator, and the youngest will be a quarterback for the 49ers. I want to be an adventurer who sails vast oceans and climbs mountains and rescues people. And I want to drive a red Ferrari and never have to pick up after myself. Well, that sounds like a nice dream, said God. I want you to be content. One day playing football, the boy hurt his knee. After that, he couldn't climb tall mountains or even trees, much less sail vast oceans. So he studied marketing and started a medical supply business. He married a girl who was, who was very beautiful and kind and who had long black hair. But she was short and not tall and had brown eyes, not blue. She couldn't even play the guitar or sing. And she prepared wonderful meals seasoned with rare Chinese spices and painted beautiful pictures of birds. Because of his business, he lived in a city near the top of a tall apartment building overlooking the ocean and the city's twinkling lights. He didn't have room for two St. Bernards, so he had a fluffy cat. He had three daughters, all very beautiful. The youngest, who was in a wheelchair, was the loveliest. The three daughters loved their father very much. They didn't play football with him, but sometimes they went to the park and tossed a frisbee, except the youngest, who sat under a tree, strumming her guitar and singing lovely songs. He made enough money to live comfortably, but he didn't drive a red Ferrari. Sometimes he had to pick up things and put them away, even things that didn't belong to him. After all, he had three daughters. Then one morning, the man awoke and remembered his dream. I am very sad, he said to his best friend. Why, asked his friend. Because once I dreamed of marrying a tall woman with black hair and blue eyes who could play the guitar and sing, and my wife can't even play the guitar or sing at all. She has brown eyes and she's not tall. Your wife is beautiful and very kind, said the friend. She creates splendid pictures and wonderful food. But the man wasn't listening. I'm very sad, the man confessed to his wife one day. Why, she said. Because I dreamed of living in a big house with a porch and two St. Bernards and a garden out back. Instead, I live in an apartment on the 47th floor. Our apartment is comfortable. We can see the ocean from it. We have love and laughter and paintings of birds and a fluffy cat, not to mention three beautiful children. The man wasn't listening. 
I'm very sad, the man said to his therapist. Why, asked the therapist, because once I dreamed I'd grow up to be a great inventor. Instead, I'm a bald businessman with a bad knee. The medical supplies you sell have saved many lives, said the therapist, but the man wasn't listening anymore. I'm very sad, the man said to his minister. Why? Because once I dreamed of having three sons, a scientist, a politician, a quarterback. Instead, I have three daughters, and the youngest can't even walk. Your daughters are beautiful and intelligent, said the minister. They love you very much, and they've all done well. One is a nurse. One is an artist. The youngest teaches music to children. The man wasn't listening. He was so sad. In fact, so sad, he became very sick, and he lay in a white hospital room surrounded by nurses in white uniforms, tubes and wires connected to his body, blinking machines that he had once sold to the hospital. He was terribly, tragically sad. His family and friends and ministry gathered around, and they were all sad too. Then one night, when everything, everyone except the nurses had gone home, the man said to God, Remember when I was a boy and I told you all the things I wanted? It was a lovely dream, said God. Why didn't you give me those things, asked the man. I could have, said God. But I wanted to surprise you with things you didn't even dream of. I suppose you've noticed what I didn't mean. A kind, beautiful wife, a good business, a nice place to live, three lovely daughters. Yes, interrupted the man, but I thought you were going to give me what I wanted. And I thought you were going to give me what I wanted, said God. What did you want, asked the man. It had never occurred to him that God was in want of anything. I wanted to make you happy. This is the beginning, said God. And the man lay in the dark all night, thinking. And finally, decided to dream a new dream. One he'd wished he'd dreamed years before. He decided to dream that what he wanted the most were the very things he already had. He decided to dream that the things he wanted most were the very things he already had. And the man got well and lived happily on the 47th floor, enjoying his children's beautiful voices, his wife's deep brown eyes, and the glorious twinklings of birds. At night, he gazed at the ocean, contentedly watching the lights of the city, twinkling on and on, one by one. What if our life dream became what we already have? What if we truly believe that everything we have right now, today, when you sit in that chair, is everything you need? What if we gave thanks today for how things are, rather than waiting for something to come? So I challenge you with this summary. Number one, get into the vine. Discover the, the Bible calls them incomprehensible, unfathomable, unimaginable blessings that are yours in Christ. If you truly get in touch with them, 
if you truly understand them and, and know them and live in them, there will never be a day of your life where you do not have the opportunity to give thanks. Secondly, stop trying to figure it all out. There will be things in your life which will happen which will be things that you just cannot make sense of it. Understand God's ways are so high above our ways and so high above your ways. And then lastly, surrender your life in humility to God. God owes you absolutely nothing, right? What does God owe you? What does God owe me? He doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't even owe me my next breath. And so in humility, just surrender your life to God. And as you do those things, you will find yourself giving thanks to God in every situation and experiencing the will of God for your life. Father, I thank you for this this truth today. Such a good reminder of your will for our lives. And it sounds so simple, but Father, your one of the predominant things you want in our lives, one of the predominant pieces of your will is that we would be thankful people. And so, Father, whatever it is of these truths today that you want each of us to hear, I pray that you would just remind us of that and, and use these truths Father, to bring us into conformity with with this text this morning, that we truly, from our hearts, would find thanks in every situation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to invite you to stand this morning as we close up the service. Thank you, Tim, for that word here this morning. I pray that you'll just take everything in that, that Tim has taught here this morning. And then as we close with this song, may it just solidify that as we walk out of here and become that kind of thankful person.
Jesus' name. Amen. Be blessed. Have a great rest of your day.